Nathan Crankfield is a 2015 graduate of Mount St. Mary's University, where he graduated in the Army ROTC program. After graduation, he was commissioned and trained as an infantry officer at Fort Benning in Georgia, where he also completed Army Airborne School and Ranger School. Upon completion, he was sent to Fort Bragg in North Carolina, where he served as a platoon leader, executive officer, and logistics manager in the 82nd Airborne Division. Nathan served one combat tour in Afghanistan, for which he received a Bronze Star for his efforts in Operation Resolute Support. Nathan now lives in Cincinnati, where he works as a parish consultant for the Dynamic Catholic Institute, serving parishes in the Archdiocese of Kansas City, St. Joseph in Missouri, and the Diocese of Austin in Texas. My conversation with Nathan was so inspiring and I'm so glad to be able to share it with you. He's a person full of wonderful values. He's a resolute, courageous man. We are proud to share with you Echoes and Hope with Nathan Crankfield. I was born in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. I was baptized Lutheran. My dad's black, came from a black, like Southern Baptist type family. Wasn't really engaged in his faith uh, at any time as an adult until present day. And then my mom was Lutheran, so she came from a big Lutheran family. I went to a Methodist preschool. The only good schools were the Catholic schools, at least where I lived. My mom was very committed to me having a good education. and She made sure that I got to go to Catholic school. So she works like several jobs to be able to make that happen. So I started there in kindergarten and then I ended up going kindergarten through college to Catholic schools. In eighth grade, I converted. I became the first captain of both sides of my family. And it's very interesting timing. I, you know, I like to tell people I was biracial before it was cool to be biracial. There was a time where it was just hard, you know, and obviously it wasn't the hardest time ever to be biracial, but it was still challenging, I think. Just kind of not feeling accepted by either side. I felt like I was too black for the white kids and too white for the black kids. My 12-year-old year, my dad was kind of in and out of my life from 10 to 15. And him and my mom, you know what I mean, would split up, get back together, split up, get back together. My 12-year-old year, you know, I had a lot of problems within my family. All kinds of different drama, you know, people going to prison. My brother got sentenced like 15 years in prison when I was 12. I really struggling with like, okay, how am I supposed to behave? You know, other brothers and stuff in and out of jail. and Figure out like, who am I supposed to be, especially with this racial tension in my own personal life. I really feel like I embraced, and I praise God for this, out of all the identities I could have embraced at the time, I embraced the Catholic identity and who God said I was through the church. Very grateful for 13-year-old Nathan and, and him answering to the Holy Spirit in that time. I continued on through high school and lived a very classic black male athlete lifestyle in high school. Smoked, drank, and just chased after girls and did enough homework to maintain about a B average. A lot of cheating was involved um, and <laughs> made the, the second best decision I think in my life was to go to Mount St. Mary's University in Maryland. Proud graduate of the Mount. At Mount St. Mary's, I really opened my mind with a Catholic bias. Really looked at everything. Like went to non-denominational churches, Baptist churches, read about Methodists and Lutherans, and went to an evangelical church down the street, took a class on Islam, and learned about Buddhism and all kinds of stuff. Really, there, I think I had my intellectual conversion. I studied philosophy and theology, and my major is criminal justice, minor in philosophy. Just really learned and embraced and, and wanted to do what was true, you know? There, I also did and, and engaged in a lot of different service events and things like that. So I had a very intentional kind of track laid out for myself, where freshman year, I wanted to figure out who is God calling me to be? Who 
do I want to be when I'm older? The second year, sophomore year, is about how can I become that person? Junior year is about practicing that, and then senior year about like tweaking whatever I needed to tweak and then kind of trying to live it out while still in this like Catholic bubble of the mount where things are a little bit easier. So I did that, but also really want to see like, all right, how am I called to serve? Like, how am I called to serve God's people on this earth? So I did everything from like, Big Brothers, Big Sisters, Special Olympics, Habitat for Humanity, mission trips, like all kinds of different things and started leading Bible studies and really found that that one-on-one development with other people, public speaking and evangelizing was easily my jam, you know, like that was what I loved, what I was passionate about and uh, found that that was like the thing that I felt like I was called to do. I did that as much as I could while I was there. Gave a lot of talks and led retreats and got to speak at a couple conferences and things like that too. Big thing also is I did ROTC, commissioned as infantry officer. Good story behind that too. When I really got into smoking weed in in high school, I quit the basketball team. And it was like a big thing, you know, when I got to the mountain, I was like, man, like I was good enough that I could have played here because I felt that way, you know, and if I had kept playing and and stayed out of trouble. But when I was in the army, I was like, I'm not going to let anything hold me back. Like I'm going to see how far I can go. Like never again am I going to look back and say, oh, I could have done that, but I didn't. I never wanted to be one of those people in my life, at least never again. And so I went infantry so I could guarantee a slot to ranger schools. I went down to Fort Benning, Georgia. I did my infantry training. I'd already been to airborne school and how to jump out of planes. And then I went to ranger school. And so I spent more time in ranger school than I'd like to. Was able to graduate. And it was one of the proudest moments of my life, for sure, was being in ranger school. Yeah, just learn a lot about yourself and learn a lot about life when you're just in these tough conditions. I always tell people, I started off the first phase, the first like three weeks, I was like 207 when I went to pre-ranger, 203 when I started ranger school. I was 183 when I finished the first three weeks. I lost 20 pounds in 21 days. So a lot of contributing factors to that. It was tough, you know, and I, I really dug deep, especially like being like a, a street ball basketball player. Like I wasn't like camping in the woods every week like a lot of these guys were. It was definitely out of my element. I did that. Another cool thing at Fort Benning is I got to lead faith formations for the Catholics in uh, basic training. So every week I was giving a talk and sharing with them and, and training them in the faith, which was really just such a blessing. I went to Fort Bragg, North Carolina and spent three years in the 82nd Airborne Division there and got to deploy to Afghanistan once for six months in 2017. Another really big life experience and learned a lot. Just knew that my call was to evangelize. And I was like, okay, what can I do to kind of help the church and what's my next? move and what am I going to be most passionate about? I had read Four Signs of a Dynamic Catholic by Matthew Kelly back in college and became an ambassador to Dynamic Catholic. It was always kind of my dream to go work there, but it always seemed like very distant. Like, I don't know how you got to get connected or like what the deal is. <laughs> Turns out you can just apply online. Just simply applied and uh, applied for a few jobs and actually ended up getting the one that I really wanted, which was parish consulting. Dynamic Parish is a new initiative they started last year. So there's only six consultants right now and they had two and they just expanded by four was able to get that job and now I have the Diocese of Kansas City, St. Joseph in Missouri and then the Diocese of Austin and five churches in each area. And, uh, I go and consult them and help them to improve and implement our five-year plan for parish renewal. 
One of my favorite stories is when I was in grade school, having a Lutheran mother, I would bring home from the Secret Santa store where we could go and spend $3 on a gift. I would always bring home like this Mary and stuff. I would bring home statues of Mary or little like Mary and lamps and stuff. And my mom wasn't mad about it. She wasn't like super catechized in Lutheranism. I think just because of the problems with my dad throughout my life, I found my relationship with God the Father to be very difficult to build over time. But my relationship with Mary was like always right there and always just something that was really natural. I really related and, and loved a lot of St. Paul when I was in college. Dug deep into his letters and, you know, just studying him and just kind of using him as an example for just embracing hardship. And then like through Ranger School and things like that, like he was definitely a go-to for me as well. The third one I would say is my confirmation sponsor. I'm one of like the five people in the world that has an Old Testament character as my confirmation saint. <laughs> but I had King David. And so King David was always my guy as well. So huge, huge fan of King David. In the Catholic world, I think it's just hard feeling like a unicorn. You know, I would go to family reunions and when we'd make my dad mad and he wouldn't go, I'd be the only black person there. So I kind of, through a lot of discomfort, become accustomed to being the only black person in, in an environment, but you still don't necessarily love it. I think that the church, personally, it's one of the places that we're called to, like, let that stuff go. St. Paul talks about, you know, like, we neither Jew nor Greek. None of these labels really matter anymore. We're supposed to all just be Catholics together, but it's definitely still hard, you know, it's still hard to kind of stand out, be on your own. It's not hard enough that you should not do it, but it still, you know, just makes things a little bit challenging, I think. And then just in the world, I, Ranger School is very similar. In the Army, like, it's a, it's a white man's game. There's a lot of white guys and very few minorities. It, it almost made me proud to do that though to kind of push through it because I had a lot of family members or, or friends growing up the people who tell you like oh you're not black because you don't do this you're not black because you don't do that me the the one who wasn't black enough to do things actually went out and proved myself in front of a lot of like dudes from the south you know who had different perspectives on African Americans at the time and I really broke a lot of barriers and really broke a lot of expectations and prejudices for people and I think that's what we're called to do so I, I don't have respect for people who are cowardly if Catholicism is the truth, then you need to do it no matter what. You know, like I do it in Russia if I had to, you know, even if they all hated me. Like, you got to do what you got to do. But there's more important things than your struggles, I think, as an African American. But it's definitely hard. I've ever, like, when they asked me about this podcast for black Catholics, I was like, for, for all 15 of us, I get pumped up when I see them. Like, I'll be on my consulting trips and things like that for work. And when I remember, like, I went from Kansas City to Texas this last time. When I got to Texas, I was like, yo, I legit haven't talked to another black dude in like nine days <laughs> i just been on the road and in catholic churches it's like refreshing you know to get that sometimes just because you, you have different things in common than other people I think anytime you come from any type of diverse background, you know, the church could use you. Again, with St. Paul, like, I love when he talks about how he became all things to all people. And I think that when you put God first in your life, you feel the need and the, the responsibility to do that and to kind of become, while still maintaining and being yourself, to be able to be diverse in who you are. And so I think that, especially as a biracial person, like, like I always tell people I grew up on, like, Kenny Chesney and Tupac. You know, like, my mom was from a farm and my dad grew up in the project, so it's like, the two different worlds just colliding within me and 
I think just being able to relate, like I can relate to a lot of people. And I think that that was like my gift as a public speaker and an evangelist is that, you know, I just had these stories that just kind of like everybody can kind of relate to on all these different areas of life. And I feel like if I didn't have the experience, I at least know somebody who did one on one that helps big time too, just to be able to relate to people in, in that way. And so I think you bring you bring a certain wisdom and just your experience and who you are as a person. I think everybody has beautiful gifts and, and talents to bring to the church in their different unique way i think for me i think that i am at least slightly gifted in evangelization and then like my love for studying the faith and then just a certain kind of like mental toughness like i kind of mentioned earlier just getting after and like not making excuses and and just bringing people together in a way that's like let's remember we have a mission here and like we're focused and and jesus is the king and so we're gonna do what he says (laughs) like nothing else matters nobody's feelings nobody's opinions outrank that you know like there's no problems that outrank that one thing that i think i'm I'm good at is just being sold out to like whatever god wants me to do in my life you know like obviously fail big times small ways and big ways every day with my sins you know but i think that in my big decisions like i don't think that i can look back at least since i was like 18 17 where like there's been a big decision i knew what god wanted me to do and i didn't do it i don't see how anything else really matters and so I tell people that all the time, you know, like, whether I'm called to be a priest or I'm called to do this or that, like, I literally don't care. Like, God knows that. And so that's why I don't stress discernment or anything like that, because it's like, whatever, whatever he wants me to do, I'm down. Like, he's done that since I was 19. So <laughs> it took me a while to get there. But once I did, I was there. As a parish consultant, um, and just working for Dynamic Catholic and seeing the church outside in the outside world as well, you know, being in the army and just being very distant and being like very in the midst of secularism and being in Afghanistan, you know, like in all these different experiences, I think that I just I just want people to know that, you know, it's a good time to be Catholic. It's the best time, I think, ever to be Catholic and that the church is moving in a, in a good direction, it's moving in a great direction. And I think that it's very discouraging to be out there now with all the things that you see in the world and all the you know extreme things that you see happening, whether it's some of the extremes that are happening in politics and stuff like that. But the truth is that it's forcing people to reconsider some of the more Catholic views on life and, and on uh, who we are and how we ought to live. Catholicism is ultimately the best way to live. And so we just need people to pursue truth again. And I think that the madness that you see in the world and the craziness is like actually forcing people to really think about where they stand and what they think about certain things. So I'm very optimistic and very hopeful. And I think it's the best time to be a black Catholic. I think it's the best time to be any type of Catholic. For most ages, genders, races, like this is the best time to be alive. It's the best country to be alive. And it may not be perfect. I'm not saying that there's not flaws in the systems. There's issues and challenges that we face, but it's the best time to do it. And like our ancestors who did great things, whether as blacks or as Catholics, you know, um, especially as black Catholics, they didn't sit there and sulk in the in what they didn't have. They were here for what they did have, and they made beautiful, beautiful things out of their lives with what they were given. And so I just want to encourage everyone to do that. Embrace what you have and embrace your gifts and embrace the time that you get to live in and these opportunities that we have to really make a difference and to be bold and be courageous in in your Catholicism, in your life, and who you are so that we can help the world to shift back into this place that we needed to be in and, and save as many souls as possible along the way because that's ultimately what we're called to do and what we were created for.